What are you looking forward to at the moment? Got any good things coming up? Maybe a birthday, uh, maybe a wedding anniversary, uh, maybe there's a party that you're counting down the days till, maybe you're looking forward to a special holiday you got lined up over Easter, maybe there's a show coming up, maybe there's a sporting event, perhaps a movie coming out soon that you're really looking forward to seeing. What are you looking forward to? Anything? Maybe some of you are actually feeling quite depressed because you're at your brain and you can't think of anything that you're looking forward to. You look into the future, all you can see is hard work and bills to pay and difficulties, maybe bad health. Sorry if that's the case. Whatever your life situation might be, though, this morning, I'm hoping to encourage you with God's word because God does not want us to go through this life with nothing to look forward to. God, in fact, wants you to know that no matter how bleak things may seem at the moment, indeed, no matter how good things may seem at the moment, God wants you to know that the best is yet to come. A time is coming when everything will be as good as it can possibly be. And we get to see that this morning by virtue of Isaiah now starting to talk about a remnant of Israel. This is actually quite a long section that we're going to have a look at this morning, uh, midway through chapter 9, right through to chapter 12. But it's this idea of a remnant that binds the section together. Chapter 10, verse 19, verse 21, verse 20, verse 22. Chapter 11, verse 11, verse 16. Suddenly in the book of Isaiah, you get all this mention of a remnant, a fragment, an almost leftover bit of Israel for whom God has some pretty spectacular things in store. Before we get to this, though, it's worth noticing just in terms of the way the book fits together, that even though this is the first time in the book the actual word remnant is used in Isaiah, the idea of a remnant, that idea has actually been floating behind the scenes for a little while now, especially since the end of chapter 6. Remember chapter 6? That was the chapter where Isaiah saw a vision all about the holiness of God. And God told Isaiah that Israel was going to be punished for disregarding his holiness, that Israel would be laid waste like a forest levelled of trees. And yet to remember how in the very last verse of that chapter, we got a tantalising mention of a holy seed being a stump in the land. It was a clue that there would be a small trace of Israel left over after the judgement and from them new growth would emerge. Now, a second clue happened last week when Isaiah was telling King Ahaz how the nation of Assyria was going to be used by God as punishment. For the sake of time, I didn't mention it last week, but what was intriguing about that little interaction between Isaiah and King Ahaz was that God specifically told Isaiah to take his firstborn son with him when he went to see the king. And Isaiah's son's name was Shebashub, which means a remnant will will return. Again, it was a little clue in the text that judgment is coming for Judah. Assyria is going to sweep through, but a remnant will survive. 
And so you see, Isaiah's actually been dropping a few clues along the way that in God's grand plan to transform the world, which remember is what the book of Isaiah is all about, in God's grand plan, there is a special place and there is a special role for a remnant of Israel. And what has only been hinted at in the text so far now becomes openly stated as Isaiah describes the appearance of a remnant after God's judgment passes through. And that's where our reading this morning takes us. Isaiah chapter 10, and our reading started midway into the chapter, verse 12. When the Lord has finished all his work against Mount Zion and Jerusalem, he will say, I will punish the king of Assyria for the willful pride of his heart and the haughty look in his eyes. Now that verse is following very closely on from what we saw last week. Remember last week, King Ahaz had decided to trust in Assyria for help instead of God. And so as judgment for that choice, God said he was going to use Assyria to in fact punish Judah rather than protect Judah. Well, here now in verse 12, God adds to all of this by saying that when the Lord has finished his work against Mount Zion, in other words, once God has finished punishing Judah with Assyria, what's going to happen then is that God will turn to punish Assyria as well for her sin, which if you think about it makes last week's decision by King Ahaz to trust Assyria doubly stupid. Not only is Assyria going to be used to punish Judah instead of protect Judah, but now the very country who they thought would protect them, that very country is going to be laid waste by the God that they overlooked in order to trust that country. King Ahaz's decision to look to Assyria for help last week, dumb choice. But back in chapter 10, what God now goes on to say is that after punishing Judah and then punishing Assyria in turn, after all of that, a remnant is going to appear. Verse 20 of our reading. In that day, the remnant of Israel, the survivors of the house of Jacob, will no longer rely on him who struck them down, but will truly rely on the Lord, the Holy One of Israel. What's that? Now, do you get what that's saying? A remnant who will no longer rely on him who struck them down. In other words, a remnant who will no longer rely on Assyria, like stupid King Ahaz did last week. A remnant who will no longer rely on military muscle and political power for their help. A remnant who will now truly rely on the Lord will appear. Sadly, it's only going to be a remnant, though, verse 21. A remnant will return. A remnant of Jacob will return to the mighty God. Though your people, O Israel, be like the sand by the sea, only a remnant will return. Destruction has been decreed, overwhelming and righteous. The Lord, the Lord Almighty, will carry out the destruction decreed upon the whole land. See, tragically, judgment is coming. Destruction has been decreed, it says there in, uh, in verse 23. Judah's sinfulness have made that unavoidable, as we've noticed on several occasions. And so this remnant will only be a remnant. It's only going to be very small in number. But as God goes on to say, hang in there because there will at least be one. And so Isaiah encourages his listeners to do what the king refused to do last week, keep trusting and fearing in the Lord rather than Assyria. Verse 24. Therefore, this is what the Lord the Almighty says. 
Hey, my people who live in Zion, do not be afraid of the Assyrians who beat you with a rod and lift up a club against you as Egypt did. Very soon my anger against you will end and my wrath will be directed to their destruction. So you see what this morning's reading is all about? Survival of a remnant after the judgment, after the judgment of Judah and then in turn after the judgment of the Assyrians. And friends, all this talk of a remnant surviving and, and remaining faithful to God through the hardship, by way of illustration, it's a bit like those plants that you hear about that survive bushfires because it's the fire itself that stimulates the plant to release its seeds. You know those sorts of plants? Uh, banksias are one of those. You can get a banksia cone to release its seeds by putting it on the barbecue or putting it in the oven, because it's actually the hardship of the heat itself which then promotes the seeds to emerge. Well, according to Isaiah, that's pretty much what's going to happen for Judah. The fire, the heat of God's judgment is going to sweep through the land. That is unavoidable. But the very act of the judgment will be in turn what identifies and what perfects a remnant of Israel. That as they stay faithful to God, through the hardship, that will be what defines them as a remnant who really do rely on God. And here's the thing. This is a remnant for whom God has great things in store. Because look now at the king that God has in store for this remnant. Chapter 11 now. Let me keep reading into chapter 11, verse 1. A shoot will come up from the stump of Jesse. From his roots, a branch will bear fruit. Isaiah is now in this chapter focusing in not just on the remnant in general, but one particular person within the remnant, the king over the remnant. And notice in verse 1 that it's a shoot out of the stump of Jesse rather than out of the stump of King David. Jesse, you see, was David's father. And so verse 1 is effectively saying that this new king over the remnant is going to take things back to square one before it all got messed up, back before the the pomp and the arrogance of the kings in Jerusalem, back to humble beginnings in Bethlehem where Jesse lived, this new king will come and he will be stunning. Verse 2, the spirit of the Lord will rest on him the spirit of wisdom and of understanding, the spirit of counsel and of power, the spirit of knowledge and of the fear of the Lord, and he will do delight in the fear of the Lord. Now, all this is, of course, building on what we discovered last week. Remember last week, after the failure of uh, that woeful king Ahaz, God promised a wonderful new king. Remember him? Wonderful counsellor, mighty God, prince of peace, a king who will establish a kingdom of justice and righteousness. Well, Isaiah is now starting to tell us even more about this king, that he will be a king with wisdom and a king with knowledge, a king with power, a king with understanding, a king with compassion, a king under whom you will feel protected, you will feel safeguarded, you will feel secure, a king who will be insightful, And just, verse 3, he will not judge by what he sees with his eyes. In other words, he's not going to be tricked by someone's outward appearances. Or decide by what he hears with his ears. He won't be swayed by flattery. You can't talk yourself around this king. Verse 4, but with righteousness 
he will judge the needy. With justice, he will give direct decisions for the poor of the earth. He will strike the earth with the rod of his mouth. With the breath of his lips, he will slay the wicked. Righteousness will be his belt and faithfulness the sash around his waist. Friends, are you, are you tired of being ripped off? Feeling as if you're getting ripped off in this world. Are you tired of just feeling vulnerable and not feeling safe? Are you tired? Are you confused about whose advice to follow in this world? This is the king for you. A king who is insightful and you can't pull the wool over his eyes. King who, with whom you will feel safe. Especially so because Isaiah now goes on to describe how wonderful it will be within this king's kingdom. Look at verse 6. The wolf will live with the lamb. The leopard will lie down with the goat. The calf and the lion and the yearling together. And a little child will lead them. The cow will feed with the bear. Their young will lie down together. And the lion will eat straw like the ox. The infant will play near the hole of the cobra. And the young child put his hand right into the viper's nest. They will neither harm nor destroy on all my holy mountain, for the earth will be full of the knowledge of the Lord as the waters cover the sea. It's a wonderful poetic picture of a place without harm, a place without threat, a place without menace, a place without hazard, a place without risk, a place where you won't need to take out insurance anymore a place where there won't be any need for a police force, a place where you won't have to lock your doors at night. And who will get to be in this place? Well, this is where the remnant takes on a surprising twist. Verse 10. In that day, the root of Jesse will stand as a banner for the peoples. The nations will rally to him. And his place of rest will be glorious. Did you notice what that verse is saying? The root, look at it again. The root of Jesse will stand as a banner. In other words, he will be the, the protection for the peoples, plural, and the nations, plural. Not just Israel anymore. The nations will rally to him. In other words, this king over the remnant is somehow going to open things up for all peoples to be incorporated into the remnant. This king over the remnant is somehow going to make it possible for all peoples, not just Israel, to be in his kingdom. And what does it say of his kingdom? His place of rest will be glorious. Wouldn't that be lovely, just to be in a place of rest? in a glorious place of safety where there will be nothing to harm you. That's the kingdom of this king. Are you going to be in it? If you are a follower of Jesus Christ, you will. Because, of course, as we saw last week, this coming king the wonderful counsellor we thought of last week, and now again this more this increased description of him as the king of the remnant, it is, of course, Jesus. In fact, in a very real way, Jesus is not only the king over the remnant, he effectively turns out to be the remnant. And by that, what I mean is that if you keep reading through the rest of the Old Testament, the way it unfolds is that just as Isaiah said would happen, 
Israel is punished by God using Assyria. And you know what? They still don't return to God. And so they're punished again, even more harshly by the hands of the Babylonians, and yet they still don't get it. They still don't return to God. They still are not the faithful remnant that's being described here. And so then Jesus Christ appears, the wonderful counsellor, the prince of peace, this shoot from the stump of Jesse on whom the spirit of the Lord rests. He appears and he calls on Israel to repent. He calls on them to be the faithful remnant that they're meant to be. And you'll never guess what they do. They crucify him. And so in the end, this remnant of Israel, it virtually turns out to be a remnant of one, Jesus himself. And yet so dazzling is this king that through his death and resurrection, the offer goes out to all the world that we can join him. Our sins can be washed as white as snow. We can be forgiven and embraced by God. We can join the ranks of people from all over the world who at this very minute are rallying to him as Jesus effectively calls on us to take our place with him within the remnant. And so in a very real way, the song of the remnant, which Isaiah closes this section off with, because that's how the section does now finish. In chapter 12, we get to hear the song of the remnant as they rejoice in the salvation and praise God has, and praise God for all that he's done for them. And in a very real way, because of Jesus, this closing song of the remnant, it becomes our song as well. It's a reflection of what we will celebrate on that last great day. You know, that day that Isaiah told us about a few weeks back, that day when this world will vanish in a roar and a new creation will be ushered in, that day God's people, God's remnant, those in Jesus Christ, you and I, we will celebrate. And chapter 12 is a pretty good description of what we will be celebrating. Look at chapter 12, verse 1. And even though this was written hundreds of years before Jesus was born, it is the genius of God that this virtually describes to a T what we will be able to be celebrating because of Jesus. Chapter 12, verse 1. In that day, you will say, I will praise you, O Lord. Though you were angry with me, your anger has turned away and you have comforted me. Surely God is my salvation. I will trust and not be afraid. The Lord, the Lord is my strength and my song. He has become my salvation. With joy you will draw water from the wells of salvation. In that day you will say, give thanks to the Lord, call on his name, make known among the nations what he has done, proclaim that his name is exalted. Sing to the Lord, for he has done glorious things. Let this be known to all the earth. Shout aloud and sing for joy, people of Zion, for great is the Holy One of Israel. Among you. That is what we will be singing, those sentiments on that last day. And because of that, this is a, this is a fitting place to finish our first instalment of Isaiah for the year. Uh, next week, we're going to take a bit of a break from Isaiah. We'll jump back into it after Easter. But this is a good place to pause, I think, with the praise of God ringing in our ears from that chapter. Because 
Even in these first 12 chapters, Isaiah has already shown us a breathtaking panorama of God's grand plan to transform this planet. There's lots more to even see, but it's been breathtaking enough already. Can you recall some of the aspects of this plan that we have already seen? It is a plan to punish the rebel but purify the repentant. It's a plan in which God lays on the table the offer to wash our sins as white as snow. It's a plan where a holy God amazingly offers to take guilt away and atone for sin. And so it's a plan in which, yes, Israel will be punished in the short term for being an unfruitful vineyard. But it's a plan in which judgment will not be God's last word. As after the judgment, after the punishment, out of the punishment... God's plan is for a new people to appear. God's plan is for a holy seed to emerge. God's plan is for a remnant to be revealed. God's plan is for a remnant to be ruled over by a king of dazzling proportions, a king of wisdom and grace and justice and righteousness, a king to whom all the nations will stream during these, the last days that we are already in and a king who on that final day will establish a a place of peace and glorious rest, a place where there will be nothing to harm or destroy you, a place which will be full of the knowledge of the Lord. And we who will be there will sing to the Lord, for he has done glorious things. I want to encourage you with those things. Because God does not want you to go through this life with nothing to look forward to. He wants you to know that the best is yet to come. And that can be helpful, just to keep going. Last Saturday, a boat capsized on uh, Tugra Tugra Lake. I don't know if you read about it in the paper. But four men and a poor little old seven-year-old boy were left clinging desperately to a, a fuel tank out in the ocean. Two of the men swam to shore so as to get help, while the other two stayed with the boy or holding onto the fuel tank as they just drifted around in the ocean waiting for the help to arrive. And just imagine what was going through that poor little guy's head as they just sort of treaded water and waited. And I don't know, sometimes life can feel like that, can't it? You just feel like what you can do is just you're treading water. And you know help is on its way and it's good having people there with you to encourage you and support you. But in the end, you really just feel like you're hanging on for dear life. And you just, you just want to be saved. And you just want to be safe. And you just want to be able to rest. Friends, it's coming. Hold on. The best is yet to come. Because one day... The root of Jesse will stand as a banner for all the peoples and the nations will rally to him and his place of rest will be glorious. And we'll be able to sing, I will praise you, O Lord, although you are angry with me, your anger has turned away and you have comforted me. Bring on that day. Let's pray. Father, thank you for the wonderful hope that we have as your people. A firm and secure hope that you have reserved for us 
a place in a new creation in which we will be safe, where we will rest and nothing will harm us. Father, we don't deserve to be there, but we thank you for your glorious King Jesus who went to the cross so that we might be. Thank you that you have turned your anger from us. You have washed our sins as white as snow. All glory and praise to you, Father, and your wonderful King, Lord Jesus. Amen.